What up, fight fans? This is Kenny Keith, co-host of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. Due to other obligations, we haven't posted a new show in a little while, but we do have two brand new episodes that were recorded a few weeks back and are ready to release. We bring you today episode 98, the Pound for Pound Countdown, and then in just a day or two, episode 99, the 2016 Boxing Preview Special. Later on in the week, we bring you episode 100 as we deliver Wilder versus Spielka post-fight and a preview of Danny Garcia versus Robert Guerrero. We appreciate all the questions, concerns, inquiries, and anticipation from all of you out there who make the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast part of your weekly boxing fix. So without further ado, on behalf of my co-host Vince Cummings, we bring you the previously recorded episode 98 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast, the Pound for Pound Countdown. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Tale of the Tape. It's the pound for pound, undisputed kings. It's the tale of the tape, time to enter the ring. Boxing knowledge dropped by Kenny and Vin. It's the sweet science by the diehard fan. Manny and Floyd, Triple G and the rest. Like an overhand right from Crusher Kovalev. The tale of the tape on theboxingrant.com. It's the pound for pound, undisputed kings. It's the tale of the tape, time to enter the ring. The tale of the tape on theboxingrant.com. Welcome back to the tale of the tape. What up, what up, fight fans, and welcome back to episode 98 of the Pound for Pound King of Boxing podcast, the tale of the tape. I'm your host, Kenny Keith, and joining me once again, my co-host, Vince Cummings. What up, Ben? What's going on, brother? Not much, man. Let's go ahead and get to some boxing. It's episode 98 of the tale of the tape boxing podcast. We appreciate all of you tuning in. Once again, taking time out of your busy schedules. We're ramping up here in 2016. Uh, we've got a couple more shows. Uh, episode 98 today, we're going to do our pound-for-pound countdown. We're going to go over some, some news and notes and keep you guys up to date as to what's going on. There's a couple of big storylines kind of permeating through the boxing universe right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll get to all of those. We'll do our pound-for-pound countdown. And then in just a few days, we'll have episode 99 where we will preview um, the 2016 boxing season. And uh, we'll give you guys some of our matchups that we'd like to see and go over some of the storylines um, that need to be settled, some of the questions that need to be resolved. It's always fun to uh, think about hypothetical matchups. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, you know, it's always fun. I, you know, I was listening to an episode of, uh, of uh, a local um, radio show, an ESPN affiliate in the D.C. area, and it was during like one of those times during the year where there's like a complete lull where there's nothing going on. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about like in, in journalism school and J school, um, you know, one of the things that their professors used to always preach to them is that uh, during a sports radio broadcast, if there's nothing going on in the world of sports whatsoever and you need something to drive ratings and you need something to get callers to call into your show, just do a top five list and people will call in and, oh, yeah. and argue about it. So do a top five quarterbacks of all time or top five, you know, first baseman of all time, top five, you know, whatever. You do top five sandwiches and people will call it. <laughs> yes, they would. Yes, they would indeed. So, uh, yeah, we always love to do the countdowns on yeah. the list. Um, if you haven't had a chance yet to check out the top ten prospect list, our countdown of the top ten prospects 
in the land and our prospect of the year. Um, that was on the last episode, episode 97. So if you haven't checked that out yet, um, stop by the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. Subscribe to the channel today, um, and you can get all of the archived episodes of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast and all the video podcasts. We've been video podcasting now for about two months. Um, we have probably about 10 video podcasts, but there's, you know, we're on episode 98, so they got all the audio stuff there. Plus, uh, you get the audio version on iTunes, Spreaker, Android. Stop by theboxingrant.com. All of the links to everywhere that you would like to find our show, whether it's audio, video, everything is up on theboxingrant.com. The updated fight schedule. Um, we've got everything updated, all of the fights, all the information there uh, listed all the way into February. So that's all up to date. Um, we've done a redesign of the website, and it's coming together beautifully, and it's launched, ready to rock. Everything's there for you. Uh, we just need some participants to, uh, to join us and, and write some, uh, some op-eds, some opinion pieces, rant with us. We want to hear your voices, um, everything opinion-based, passion-based, um, you know, We'll let all the other guys do all the, you know, the basic, uh, you know, the fight previews and the, and the PR and the fight announcements and stuff like that. We want to hear your passionate perspective on the, on the world of professional prize fighting. So be sure to subscribe to the Boxing Rant YouTube channel today. All right, Ben, let's go ahead and just get right to this. We'll start out episode 98 of the Tale of the Tape with some news and notes. Golovkin has made an offer. K2, Tom Loeffler, Team Triple G has made an offer to the camp of Billy Joe Saunders, the newly crowned WBO 160-pound champion. And apparently it was quite lucrative. The first rumors that I had heard, Vince, was in the neighborhood of 3 or $4 million. Now, I, that seems a little high. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much truth there is to that because Saunders replied and said, yeah, we're going to need a little bit better offer, and, and then we'll take the fight. Because I guarantee you right now, if it was three or four million dollars, don't you think he would have taken the fight? Yeah, come on, three or four million to fight in Madison Square Garden, come over to the states. That's like announcing that you've made it in the boxing world. You know, there's no chance at the level that Billy Joe Saunders is. Even even the most optimistic uh, prognostications of what kind of fighter he will be over his career, he'll never make three or four million dollars in a fight unless he takes fights against guys like Golovkin or Canelo. Because he will look. Here's how I feel about this, Vince. He may never have this opportunity again. And, yeah, the chances are that he's going to lose to Triple G. Absolutely, right? I mean, most people believe this. Yeah. Okay? I think so, he believes it. <laughs> right. So with that being said, there's a chance that if he doesn't take the Triple G fight and he fights two or three fights in between until he's, quote, unquote, ready for Triple G, there's no guarantee he's not at the Golovkin level where you just think, like, oh, no matter who they put him in with, he's going to win anyways. I mean, there's a chance that – Saunders could get knocked off in the meantime, lose that belt, and, yeah. and then he won't be getting any paydays. He'll have to work his way back up the list into a mandatory status. I'll tell you what. You just said it right there at that statement. How many times are we going to have to – we hear it with Wilder, and now we hear it with Saunders. You're a champion. If you are a champion and have a belt, you're fucking ready. What, we, what else do you need to be ready for? I'm not ready yet, Then <laughs> I'm not ready. Well, then why are you fighting for belts? It's too stressful. It's just too stressful, then. I need practice. <laughs> practice? We talk about practice, man. Oh, man. Yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's crazy to think about it like that. Like, I, there's been too much padding on the back of, oh, well, give him credit for admitting he's not ready to fight Triple G. What? Yeah. He's a WBO middleweight champion. You're either the champion or the not. Uh, if, if you're not ready, 
if you're not going to fight the likes of, of Golovkin or, or that level, that, that, that true top one, two, or three in the division, then, then go ahead and just moonlight over there in the UK. You're going to get stripped eventually. Yeah, fight Andy Lee again. Fight somebody else over there. Yeah, come on. We, that's ridiculous. And you're going to get offered that much money. If he got really got offered, even if he got offered $2 million, he, he would take it. Yes, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I honestly, I think that they're going to up the ante. I think they have a backup plan. From what I understand, either way, they're, they're ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, they have reservations for April 23rd in New York at Madison Square Garden. They have a site, an undisclosed site in Texas, and an undisclosed site in Los Angeles. It's got to be Jerry's World in Texas, right? Uh, maybe. I mean, maybe. I, I don't know if they could do a fight in Jerry's World unless it's Canelo. Right. Um, I don't think there would be much point that would be like a, a pbc logic of having ha- having a fight that's only going to fill 10 percent of the arena Golovkin toriano johnson couldn't sell out no <laughs> but um no it seems like uh, toriano johnson is is going to probably be the guy if saunders doesn't end up taking the offer hey, I, i'll tell you what that that's going to be a fun fight if that gets made toriano johnson's tough as hell now does he stand a chance no 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 you know we saw against amon O'Kane. He, he let amon O'Kane just like wail on him yeah he did you know, and 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 O'Kane doesn't have he O'Kane's one of the toughest fighters in the middleweight division. There's uh, that's undeniable, right? But he doesn't punch very hard. No, no. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he's uh, uh, yeah. I agree with you. I think it's an interesting fight. There's some people that are kind of dumping on the idea of him fighting it, but he is a mandatory. The IBF doesn't necessarily put forth the most challenging mandatories out of all the uh, sanctioning bodies. They usually. Uh, they usually rank like these obscure international fighters that you've never heard of. Um, Why didn't somebody just step up to the plate and announce they want to fight him? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's not going to happen. I mean, I remember last year at some point, Arislandi Lara saying that'll fight him. But then as soon as they mentioned Arislandi Lara, like, okay, come up to 160 and fight us. No. Nope. No. Nope. <laughs> but yeah, that would be a stupid fight, anyways. Laura wouldn't last very long in no. there. I mean, he had uh, Alfredo Angulo, a shot-worn Alfredo Angulo, put Laura on his ass twice. Yeah, he he can't run from Triple G. I'm sorry. No, no. So, anyways, let's not talk about him. There's no point in talking about him. <laughs> um, so Golovkin Saunders, we're probably going to know something here pretty soon. I'd say within the next couple of weeks, we'll know whether or not Saunders is going to take the deal or not. I mean, look, the way I the way I see it, Vin, is that if there's an offer made, make a counter offer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Why are you sitting back and waiting? They're they're not interested unless they get completely overpaid, man. Well, overpay him. Yeah. Honestly, what what it's I want to know what Saunders made for the for the uh, Andy Lee fight. What? I'd imagine a couple hundred k. Nah, I'd imagine half a mil. You think so? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Man, that'd be surprising. But yeah, maybe I don't know. I guess with the TV money and. Um, you know, and the and the gate because they actually do fill arenas over in the yep. United Kingdom. Yep. Um, yeah, you're probably right. Uh, so yeah, well, so we'll wait and see. Um, everybody is kind of. I think we're going to be anxious until the announcement of who Golovkin's opponent is. Uh, but it does look like it's going to be April 23rd either way. Yeah, we'll get ready for the Golovkin haters to uh, come flying out the woodwork. Hey man, mo money, mo problems, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Speaking of the uh, fans taking a dump on a fight. Manny Pacquiao versus Timothy Bradley 3 is official April 9th. Um, it's going to be in Las Vegas. Your initial thoughts on the making of Pacquiao versus Bradley 3? I mean, it's just uh, I'm not interested, really. I mean, we, we saw the first two fights. They looked almost exactly the same with different outcomes. I'm just not. It just doesn't do anything for me. 
I understand that now. I, I guess they're selling it on the fact that Bradley with Atlas now. He's an improved fighter. He's gotten, you know, more dimension to to his game. But I just, I don't care, man. I mean, this does nothing. It really does. For, for Pacquiao, it's just like, this is what you wanted to go out on. It's just such a boring, like, I'd have rather you fought Marquez for the fifth time. Well, I don't think this is going to be his last fight. We're hearing grumblings that he's going to honor the contract because, you know, I mean, he's got, he's guaranteed two more fights after this, and they're, those He's not going to leave $40 million on the table. Absolutely not. Yeah, he's definitely going to fight again. And fight number two, he's going to make more than $20 million if he's fighting Mayweather because I think it's going to be Mayweather. Yeah, I think we're definitely – I mean, the more and more you you think about that and you see the outside aspects of it, it just I, I can just see it happening. So you're man. ready for a September Mayweather-Pacquiao 2? I'm not ready for it, but I'll watch it. Yeah. <laughs> look, here's how I feel about Pacquiao-Bradley 3, okay? If you look at it from just – the level of fight that this is, you can't make much better fight in the welterweight division. No, no, okay? you can't. As far as if you just take a, if this was the first time this fight was made, right? But that's that's the real issue with this fight is this the third time, and the first two fights look very similar, except in the second fight for some reason Bradley thought he could knock Pacquiao out. And he really sold out, which made the fight a little bit more exciting. Right. But at the end of the day, Pacquiao won, I would say, give or take 18 to 20 out of 24 rounds Yeah. in those two fights. So winning the vast majority of the rounds, Pacquiao, in most people's eyes, clearly won both contests. So it makes it, it's, it, look, here's the problem with the fight. Nobody was asking for this. No. It's not the level of the fight because... This, as far as skill levels concerned, this is going to be one of the best matchups. It's two of the top three welterweights in the world. Exactly, and it's going to be one of the best matchups on paper yeah. of 2016. Regardless, you got to put your bias of whether or not you actually want to see the fight or not, and look at it like, well, what else are we going to get? So, from that perspective, yeah, seventy-five dollars make it seem a little less enticing. We've seen it before; make it less enticing. Yes, if you could give this fight to me on regular HBO. I'd be I'd be excited for it. I'd be yeah. like, uh, whatever. If we can't get Terrence Crawford, Crawford, Timothy Bradley, this is two of the top ten pound for pound fighters in the world. Yeah, no, it, I mean the matchup <laughs> and the, and the the action that we're going to get in the ring and the skill of these two guys. Yeah, it's, it's top notch, and it's going to be. I mean, both fights before this they've been entertaining. Have right. they been great fights? Nah, but they've been good. Yeah, yeah, no, and I think I mean that's just it. Like Timothy Bradley. Is got a you know he's, he's invigorated man he's got a new he's got a new level of confidence with Teddy Atlas I could care less about the whole trainer dynamic for me if they can put a solid undercard together for this event I won't have any problems spending the seventy five dollars you know they're talking about right now um, I know that uh, Bob Arum really really is hoping that they'll be able to put together um, Arthur Abraham versus Gilberto Ramirez for Zerdo's first title shot as the WBO, super middleweight, mandatory. Um, they're having trouble right now negotiating the fight, and it looks like it's definitely going to be bid um, at the purse bid level because of the fact that um, Abraham wants this fight in, in Germany. And I think you've said it a couple times when we've mentioned this fight. Why, why should this fight be in America? Why should Arthur Abraham fight in the co-feature Pacquiao-Bradley 3. Why? The only reason that he would is because it would be on a, a Pacquiao pay-per-view. He does, but but he does, you're right. He doesn't care. But they're they're thinking they can sell him on that. Yeah. I mean, if he was 28 or 29 years old and didn't... Yeah, the guy's got almost... He's got 50 fights. 
You know, he's a world champion uh, over and over again. I mean, he's, you know, arguably the best super middleweight in the world. I mean, he's got, he can go fight in front of fifteen to 18,000 in Germany, get paid a couple million dollars. And <laughs> unless Bob Arum has the budget for this fight, he's already paying Pacquiao 20 million. Well, he saved a lot last year, not, not putting on any fights. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but here's the problem, though, is that th- this isn't the PBC. We're not right. pulling money out of our out of our piggy bank to make fights. Right. It's going to have to actually the event is going to have to pay for the fighters. And when your A side is making twenty million in a fight where people are estimating it's not going to do the million pay per view, um, you know buys. I mean, my guesstimate was is, is this fight will probably do somewhere around six hundred thousand buys. Yeah. And if that's the case, are they going to be able to pay Arthur Abraham his you know whatever he makes? I don't know what he makes, but let's just say for all intents and purposes that he makes. Two million, three million a fight. Well, guess what? Timothy Bradley has a two million dollar guarantee. Exactly. So Bradley's going to expect to make more than two million to fight Pacquiao for for the third time. So you got to f- figure if Pacquiao is making twenty, Timothy Bradley is making at least five million dollars for this fight. Oh yes, yeah, guaranteed, guaranteed, definitely. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, I guess it's going to come up to money. Is Bob Arum going to uh, make a worthy purse bid for this fight? Do you think he's going to? I think he needs that fight for the undercard. He, I agree. And I, and I love that. I mean, that makes that card awesome. I mean, that's a that's a great card. You put that fight on there, but I I don't see him I don't see him shelling out the money for it, man. I really don't. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I don't see it happening either. Um I'd be excited if it does. Jose Ramirez, one of the top prospects in the game, um didn't make our our prospect list. Definitely right on the right on the cusp. Yeah. Um uh, anybody if we would have had somebody else sitting in the room with us could have made a an argument, right? And and you know, I probably wouldn't have argued back much, you know, other than he's very vulnerable. But he's a very exciting fighter. Yeah. Um, you know, just recently sold out thirteen thousand in Fresno. I mean, this guy's a prospect and has one of the biggest fan bases of any American fighter. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's insane. That a prospect has one of the biggest followings out of any. He has a bigger following. This top ranked prospect has a bigger following than. Any fighter on the PBC. Than Danny Jacobs in his hometown arena. <laughs> With another hometown guy yeah. who's supposed to be one of their their big billboard names. Yeah. And, and this and this kid is selling more tickets than <laughs> than Quillen and Jacobs in their hometown. It's hilarious, man. Oh, it's, it, it, it is hilarious. I think they're banking for this is having Jose Ramirez on the card is that his crew will drive um, from Fresno to, you know, um, you know, from the greater Los Angeles area right. uh, out to Las Vegas for this fight, and they're going to pack the arena with Jose Ramirez fans. Yeah, I, I think they're going to have trouble selling tickets to this fight, so he's definitely the right fighter to add to it for sure. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I Are they going to televise it, though? Well, that's just it. I mean, the, the, when it was first originally mentioned last week, um, there was a follow-up tweet from Steve Kim from UCN Live uh, that stated that, you know, he's like, it doesn't look like the Jose Ramirez fight is actually going to be televised. You know, and, and when I heard that, I was like, wow, that doesn't even make any sense. Like, why would top rank take a guy, one of their top prospects, probably one of their five best young prospects, and not put him on the televised portion of a Pacquiao Bradley? I mean, this would give him such amazing exposure, especially with the kind of rabid fan base. You would get to see a Jose Ramirez fight on a pay-per-view to a larger audience that he'd ever performed for, and they would get to see what kind of following, like the crowd going crazy right. for this kid while he's in the ring fighting. 
Um, but, you know, I think what they're doing right now, the last uh, an updated uh, report to the one that Steve made was that um, they're going to wait to see for the rest of the undercard to round out um, before they start handing out televised spots. So. I'm going I'm to guess that he sneaks on there. First first fight on. you got to think that there's going to be three fights and then Pacquiao-Bradley, right? Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, I would think they'd get him in the first one and, and possibly, um, you know, possibly Vasily Lomachenko, mm-hmm. um, you know, against whoever. I mean, dude, put, put Lomachenko-Rigo as the co-feature. Make that fight. Yeah. Come on. You know, um, the, hey, there's a lot of possibilities out there. I've also been hearing rumors. I don't know if it's being rumored for this as a as a co-feature, but I've been hearing rumors of Jesse Vargas versus Saddam Ali. Now, that is a fight. Oh, hell yeah. I can get down for. Yeah. Yeah. Two really, really tough guys that are ton of heart. in that Yeah. Fight. Ton of heart. They got it. They're hungry too. both want want that gold around their waist. Yeah, so that'd be time. a good fight, man. Yeah, I don't know if it's being rumored for this or not, and I'm not going to speculate that it is, but that, you know, uh, I just kind of tying that together to the fact that Vargas fought uh, Timothy Bradley recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's definitely a fight to look out for. So we'll see what the, what happens with Pacquiao-Bradley. I would imagine here in the next couple of months we're going to find out. Um, we'll get some more clarification. Another top-ranked fighter, uh, Terrence Crawford. Two top-ranked fighters, Terrence Crawford and their top prospect, Felix Verdejo, are now, it's official, it's been announced, February 27th at Madison Square Garden. It will be a doubleheader. Terrence Crawford versus Hank Lundy and Felix Verdejo versus undefeated Brazilian William Silva. Um, What do you think about this card? It's a showcase card. Yeah. I I think we've seen enough of it from Crawford at this point. I mean, no no disrespect to Hank Lundy, who's a a tough fighter. And, and look, he's he's sloppy at times, but he, he normally puts on exciting fights. I'd expect him to fight hard until he gets knocked out. But it's just not uh, – Terrence Crawford needs to be fighting other champions. Yeah. He needs to be trying to unify the 140-pound division. This Hank Lundy, Tomas DeLorme, all that shit is – come on, man. Let's go. Well, Let's go. Yeah, I mean, look, there's – we always blame it on the PBC, but, you know, we have to be kind of realistic about this. Look, top rank drew a line in the sand when it came to PBC, right? Bob Arum said he ain't working with Al Heyman, okay? Mm-hmm. So there you go. There's the first line drawn in the sand. The second one is HBO isn't doing business with Al Heyman anymore because nope. of Al Heyman doing business prior, um, you know, did some things that HBO just didn't want him on the, on the you know, bringing his product on the airwaves anymore. Mm-hmm. So there's two roadblocks right there. Um, I don't know what this does for Terrence Crawford. Is he going to be – he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that would develop – you know, maybe an attitude or get a little salty about it or whatever, but is Terrence Crawford going to continue to take on the likes of Hank Lundy? Because I agree with you. I I don't mind this fight, I guess, because it's like who else is out there on this side of the fence for him to fight, and you get Verdejo on the card too. But I agree with you, man. It's like I I, I honestly feel like Hank Lundy wouldn't beat either. uh, Like I I don't think Hank Lundy would beat Dirijan, who who was the last opponent for Crawford. Nope. So, yeah, I agree. I think it's going to – Hank Lundy's going to come out, and I think it's going to be an early knockout. I'm going to predict probably somewhere around the sixth or seventh round. I, I can't see that fight going past that point because Lundy just – he just hasn't been fighting that long, and he just kind of – he's not anywhere near the like the skill level. Yeah, he's athletic and right. you know flashy and everything else, and he's tough, but Crawford's on a completely different yeah, level. Yeah, I, I, I think some of Aram's thinking in this was that that Lundy might – mouth off a little bit and help sell this fight because that's about always good for our, I mean really the, the the there's just absolutely no point for Terrence Crawford to be fighting Hank Lundy 
And people are, I, I, he's going to be, he's going to start to catch it, man. He really is. Cause that's three fights in a row now that people are just kind of like, dude, come on, man. You're, you're, you're bullshit and let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's interesting, man. Uh, I think we'll go into more depth about it in our 2016 preview. Yeah. Um, on the next show on episode 99, we'll dive into some of the big storylines and some of the people, some of the big names in the sport that are going to have to make some very crucial decisions as it pertains to the direction of their careers. Yeah, and he is certainly one of them. The only thing that that's going for Terrence Crawford right now, well, two things. He's got his health, and he's young. Yeah. Um, all right, so that will do it for a little bit of news and notes. Actually, one more thing. Uh, you brought it up before we went on the air. U.S. District Judge John Walter has just denied Al Heyman's motion to dismiss top-ranked boxing's lawsuit. Um, so the case will be allowed to proceed. This is very interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's gonna, there's going to be delay after delay after delay, but it's good to know that somebody's actually going to hear it. Well, I think, the, I think really the thing that stands out to me about this now is that there is going to be now all this hush-hush behind the scenes, secretive, uh, Al Heyman doesn't speak to the media, doesn't answer any questions. What are you up to? No press releases, no nothing. We do what we want. We don't have to answer to anybody. Do it all lurking in the shadows stuff. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Now he is going to be legally binded to grand jury testimony, and that is a matter of public record. So I cannot wait to see the videos of Al Heyman being questioned by a grand jury. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. Yeah, I just hope that he just doesn't drag this thing out and air him because it, it costs money. It's going to cost Bob Arum a lot of money, and we know that Mr. Heyman's got a coffer to pull from. That's got well, I don't know why, why would that why would that investment for the PBC why would that pay for his legal disputes? <laughs> now, I mean, seriously. Like, yeah, no, you, I mean that's a good point, but I just feel like that's at at his leisure. He fucking opens the box and reaches in and says, "No, I, 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 I don't think so." You don't think so? No, I don't think so. Especially with Waddell and Reed, their stock has dropped twelve dollars in the last quarter. It went Woo. from thirty eight dollars a share to twenty six dollars a share, and is plummeting. It has been listed on almost every single major trading. Uh, expert site television show on the um, you know the MSNBCs and the you know on all these television programs the uh, major players in the stock advising industry have all put Waddell and Reed on their sell list. <laughs> Al Heyman, baby, way hey. to go, Big Al. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you're there's a million different ways to spin this, right? But at the end of the day, the PBC is not making any money. Right. So they're spending all that money trying to keep this thing afloat. And all that money has a dedicated purpose because we could sit here and say, oh, he's just pulling money out of a out of a out of a trust fund, out of a hedge fund and just throwing it all over the wall and everything. But realistically, like you mentioned it on the on on either the last episode or before that, that these are really ridiculously smart people sitting in a room. And I'm sure that even though we're not privy to it and he would never dare share any information with the public, right. I guarantee you that he had a very well-outlined business plan showing that I need this money for this, this money for this, this money for this, and this money for this. And I'm just going to be like, hey, man, I got this great idea. I need $500 million. Hey, Yeah, sure, man. Here's a check. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Because either way, we do know this, right? 
Bob Arum and Al Heyman are going to have very hefty legal bills to pay. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be long and drawn out. Don't be expecting to see this case come to come to trial six months from now. No, and it's not going to be that kind of a case anyways. I mean, this is going to be more along the lines of, uh, uh, like you said, it's it's going to get drawn out. It's it's going to be more along the lines of, like, you know, what's going on with Lance, Lance Armstrong right now. Right. It's going to be a lot of testimony, a lot of evidence, a lot of, um, you know, new material, new findings, uh, you know, but the first heavy phase is going to be a ton of testimony, and that, to me, is going to be the most exciting part about this entire thing is to see this mythological creature, this minotaur, you know what I mean, finally have to be on a camera and speak. We actually get to hear what his voice sounds like. He's going to be running out the courtroom. Yeah. He's going to wear – he's going to – no, what you're going to see is Al Heyman is going to be uh, – uh, like during his grand grand jury testimony, it's going to be like the screen is just going to be that scene from The Wizard of Oz where where you see like the green projected face of Oz and the flames are shooting up, <laughs> and he's like, "I am Al, the great and powerful," <laughs> and that's how he's going to answer questions. <laughs> oh man, oh man, oh man. So there you have it. Yeah, the the uh, lawsuit shall proceed. We'll get into more of that as more information is divulged. Um, we're just playing. Uh, playing a lawyer here on on yeah. the tail of the tape boxing podcast actually i actually was a paralegal for quite a while when i was in the military that was my job um and we used to do a ton of testimony and and really one of my uh you know primary responsibilities especially when i was in afghanistan i was working with cid working on investigations in 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 these interrogation rooms mm-hmm. um over there and basically taking notes and 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 organizing all of this testimony uh, trying to figure out which was applicable to the case, what you know, what was uh, the the strengths and the weaknesses of these cases, the stuff that we could lean on, the stuff that we could hammer when we were in trial. It's actually really, really, really interesting. So I have kind of like an affinity for for that part of of, of cases because right. otherwise they're just wildly boring. But uh, um, yeah, we're gonna get some good drama in the courtroom. So here we go. Um, let's get right down to business here on episode. 98 what we came here to do the countdown of the pound for pound list um the 10 best fighters in the world as it stands today the uh, we update this list after after anybody fights right um you know that, constantly yeah it's constantly being moved you know coming in at number 10 this is always the most difficult position to rank right because if anybody loses that's in the top 10 everybody usually slides up and then number 10 is open. Right. There's a couple names that you could really lend some serious consideration to, you know, throughout the sport. Right. Um, But at the end of the day, you have to take into consideration first and foremost, before anything, when we rank somebody, the fighter has to be an active fighter. does not matter if you're as talented as Mikey Garcia, or if you're as talented as Andre Ward, um, you have to be active. Guillermo Rigondial was on this list when we first launched it about a year and a half ago, and then he just kind of went dormant and didn't, yeah. didn't fight for a long time, um, and he fell off the list as other people were out there doing the deal. Um, and we just saw better fighters come along. I mean, that's just all there really was to it. So that's why he's not on there. Um, and Andre Ward's not going to be in consideration in – until he fights more than once um, in the actual uh, year itself. So a couple fighters, Vin, that I considered when, when, when we were talking about this, 
uh, for the list. One what, one fighter I think is like kind of right on the cusp because of the the breakout year that they had this year, and um, and that was James DeGale. I really I really had a hard time between the guy that we have here and and, and James DeGale. Do you think that DeGale, if you saw him on somebody else's pound-for-pound list, would you be like, all right, yeah, I'm cool with that? Oh, hell yeah, definitely, definitely. And considering the year that DeGale had and the year that Brooke had, but we've seen Brooke do it. Well, there you go. Vince Vince just said, Kel Brooke is the number 10 fighter (laughs) on the list, in case case you were wondering who it is. You blew your wide there, Hey, sorry, man, sorry. That's all right. Good. So, yeah, look, it just, to me, at number 10, it's it's tough. It's just... There's probably eight, six to eight guys you could be like, eh, they they may be worthy of that spot. I mean, Tyson Fury. There's a couple guys that you could throw out there that are ready to break into the top ten. It's just that Kell Brook has won a couple big fights. Did he have an off year? Sure, he did. He he fought some scrubs, and he seems to. Be, it looks like he's going to be fighting another one, which is a trend in boxing that is starting to really piss me off. But. He's done it. He proved it against Sean Porter, and he looked great doing it. And to me, I, that fight still sticks in my mind to why he belongs on this list. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, we talk about the criteria of, one, you have to be an active fighter. Um, you have to be relevant into the boxing conversation, right? But really, at the end of the day, what comes down to the heart of this list is, yeah, it is. you have to consider – who have you beat recently? And these are the kind of things that move you up and down the list. But at the end of the day, what's at the heart of this list is how good are you? Like, how good are you as a fighter? Mm-hmm. Like, we want the very, very best. And sometimes the resume plays a huge role in this. And other times it may not, depending. The, the Really, the only thing that keeps Kell Brook from 10 and say five or four on this list is the fact that he hasn't fought anybody outside of, of Sean Porter in a couple in a couple highly regarded um, international fighters. Right. You know, look, I do sympathize with Kel Brook and this, and, and this, this isn't an Andre Ward ego thing with, 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 with Kel Brook after the Sean Porter fight, he got stabbed. Um, and so he was in the hospital recovering. He came back and ended up fighting, um, Jojo Dan, okay? And then after that, he ended up fighting Frankie Gavin. I do believe if I'm... if I, uh, Jojo Dan was a mandatory. Yes, he beat Kevin Bizier. Right. Who he who Brooke is now fighting in February, I believe. Yeah, as, as the next mandatory. Yeah. So you have to look at it like that. Okay, yeah, okay. Uh, people that don't know his opponents, I was listening to another boxing podcast, and they were like, oh, I don't even know who these guys are. These guys are scrubs. Okay, yeah, if you don't watch boxing, right. then obviously you're not going to know who these guys are, right? Yeah. Uh, but JoJo Dan was his mandatory. And, and look, let's also be honest. Kel Brook is not going to get fights with people unless he has that belt. And yeah. it, look, it guarantees him fights. And for him to keep it, he is going to have to honor his mandatory. And the most difficult belt to keep is the IBF because they make you fight your mandatories. Yeah. So that being said, if he does fight the Kevin Bizier fight, which it looks like he's going to, right? Mm-hmm. That means that two out of his last three fights since winning it will be mandatory fights. So you can't shit on him too badly right. because of that. He's being forced. Right. I, I, not, I don't really know. I've heard a million things, Vince, about why the Chavez fight never came off. Okay? And it, it, it is kind of frustrating because it's like, okay, dude, you guys made the fight. 
but now you're not going to do the fight at all. Right. I mean, I'd rather see the Chavez fight. At least it would be, you know, a pretty a pretty entertaining fight. Kevin Bizier is a tough guy, but Kell Brook is just going to be too big and too strong in that fight. Do you consider Kell Brook to be, like, where would you rank him amongst his contemporaries in the welterweight division? I'd say he falls three or four. Yeah, yeah, and that depends on you know Manny's back in the fold now, so I'd probably I probably put him down at four. Right, really? Yeah, right now that low. Who would you put ahead of him? I think this is this may be a little bias on my part, but I I, I think right now Keith Thurman is the number three welterweight in the world. Uh, it's, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and confirm it for you. You're, <laughs> you're being biased. I, I, look, that's that's just my thoughts. I mean, that's. I'm sure anybody would 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 say otherwise, but I, I'm going to put Manny Thurman. Look, I think I think you can I think you can argue for sure. Um, if you argue on the basis of who's who, who you think is better, yeah, right, you, you can definitely make the argument that Keith Thurman is better, right? right? Right. I would. My argument to that argument would be: Well, Keith Thurman hasn't fought anybody as good as Sean Porter. Nobody. He doesn't have a single fight on his resume that, that, that is actually even, would you even consider what? Do you, you, he fought Diego Chavez. He fought, okay, okay but, it, but still, he's never fought for a title. No, no. You know what I mean? He's and, been in four tough fights. Yeah, well, he's fought gatekeeper guys. Let's be honest. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. let's be honest. No, he's no, never, he definitely has. He's never fought a champion for a belt, okay? Um, like a legitimate champion. Mm-hmm. Right? He's held that regular belt that then gets uh, promoted and, yeah. you know, whatever else. But that being said is that he, I, in my opinion, Keith Thurman, for him to be considered on on any list, because I think if, if you're going to rank Thurman ahead of Kell Brook on the, in the welterweight rankings, I mean, don't you have to rank him ahead of him on the pound for pound? How can Kell Brook be the 10th best fighter in the world overall, but you have Keith Thurman ranked ahead of him in the welterweight division? Yeah, I mean that's it. look. I, that's just how I feel, and I'm basing that just on, just on what I see. Yeah. I think if Keith Thurman fought Kell Brook, mm-hmm. he would win. But that's I'm not going to make my pound for pound list based on who I think may or may not win a fight. Right. Kell Brook has proven it, so he belongs there. He's a champion. Keith Thurman is not. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I think if we made this list on who we think would beat who, it would look completely different. Yeah. Um, completely different because at the end of the day. If you do, you you can be the best fighter in the world, but there has to be somewhere some substance unless you are so supremely better than everybody else. Because when you're talking about the the like the talent levels of Kell Brook and Keith Thurman um, and the guys, uh, you know, the Tim Bradleys and the Manny Pacquiao, you're splitting hairs when you're oh, talking yeah. about talent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So really, how do you rank those guys? Well, you just got to talk about who's done what. And I think what you'll see, what our our listeners and, and and viewers of this episode of this countdown will see the way that we have ranked the welterweights in this pound for pound countdown. Those guys are are on this list and they're ranked in an order of who does who has done what. Right, exactly, <laughs> so, exactly. So there you go. Um, Kell Brook number ten on this list. Vince named some 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 good fighters that you could definitely consider for this position. I know. Our friends in the UK are so tough on their own guys. Oh yeah, so tough on their own guys. So we'll get a lot of grief for putting Brook here at number ten. Yeah, and uh, you have every right to do so. And um, you know, hey, we could have put Khan there. <laughs> Piss you off. 
Dude, if we put Con on a pound for pound list, we should not be Shut doing it this. Down. We sh- yeah, we shouldn't be doing this show. <laughs> uh, we yeah, we would have never made it to episode ninety eight if we started talking like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Kel Brook comes in at number ten. Number nine on the list, the next welterweight. Yeah, um, who has really? I mean, outside of Manny Pacquiao, for active welterweights today, um, he has one of the best records out of any active fighter. Uh, best resumes out of any active fighter today in any division. Yeah. I mean, he's put on great fights. Always, always, always an excellent, entertaining fight when Timothy Bradley is in the ring. Absolutely. Um, And so that's why the Desert Storm comes in at number nine on this list. But he's been one of those fighters that has fluctuated. It's like he bounces off the list and he comes back on the list because he has that fight against Diego Chavez that was just like, one of the ugliest fights. Yeah. It was rugged. It was nasty. It was controversial whether you thought this person won or that person won. I don't think Bradley won that fight as decisively as everybody thinks he did. No, 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 no. I mean, his face got busted up in that fight. He always takes a beating, man. That's what makes him good, though. He's there to fight. He's one of those guys, and this has been, the I think, the Achilles heel to what I think is already um, a shoe-in first ballot Hall of Fame resume, mm. um, is that his only knock that I give Timothy, it's not even, it's not what you think it's going to, it's not what you think I'm going to say. It's not his power. Right. It, it's not. It is something that Vince and I have talked about when describing the Desert Storm. This guy is a chameleon. He does not have a style. Excuse me, he's a fireman. <laughs> <laughs> was perfect (laughs) oh excuse me he's a fireman (laughs) okay he's he's a chameleon with a fire hat on yeah there you go okay that works yeah he's a firefighting chameleon um he just fights in and and maybe now that he's a firefighter he won't be a chameleon anymore (laughs) because that's his new style his you know his style is is firefighting now um but before it was always his opponent's style yeah, he always fought his opponent's style. He had no business fighting Ruslan Provodnikov the way that he fought Provodnikov. That was not advisable. But thank you for doing it because exactly. it gave us one hell of a fight. I mean, god damn, that was a good fight. Yeah, exactly. I mean, dude, you just marched through the Desert Storm's resume, man. It's really something else. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, his last couple fights, he's really he ran the gauntlet so hard for such a long time that he was really warranted. You know, the the Brandon Rios, Jesse Vargas, Chavez fights. But here's the thing. I don't even see your boy Keith Thurman fighting a resume. Yeah, he fought Chavez. Oh. But, but I don't see him fighting Rios or Vargas and no. and guys at that level. No. Um, but Bradley fought Pacquiao twice. He's going to fight him now for a third time. He fought Juan Manuel Marquez and dominated him. That was one of the most impressive performances of the Desert Storm's Entire career. Yeah, that was... Uh, Wasn't that crazy? It was kind of... Yeah, it was, a, it was an anomaly. It was like, wait, wait a second. Juan Manuel Marquez is an all-time great. Did anybody pick Bradley to win that fight? I think it was probably... I don't know. Probably right around a toss-up. I, I can't... I know I didn't pick Bradley because I thought Marquez would just counter counter him to death. Well, I mean, it was after... It was after the Provodnikov fight. I, I just don't... Yeah. I don't remember many people after that beating that Bradley took. Oh, a lot of people thought that was it. Yeah. I mean, who rebounds after a fight of the year, absolute beatdown where your ankles break, you, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're wobbling like a noodle all, all, all over the ring, comes back, dominates Marquez. Okay. I, at least that's the way I saw it. Oh, he did. Um, you know, the epic war with Provodnikov, uh, Pacquiao, Devin Alexander, when Devin Alexander was 
you know, the the guy that we thought he would be for much longer than he actually was. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Lamont Peterson, um, you know, he went overseas and, you know, when a lot of people wouldn't, and you know, he goes over and takes a belt um, from Junior Witter, you know, over in the UK. Tough fighter. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, you know, he just had a really, really good career, really admirable, uh, admirable career. And I think now, especially with that performance against Brandon Rios, say what you want about Brandon Rios and his lack of preparation and using his camp as a fitness program instead of using it to prepare for the fight. Right. But um, Timothy Bradley's well, well worthy of the nine spot on this list. Absolutely, man. Coming in at number eight, this is one of my favorite fighters on this list. I think he is just dude, he's so dynamic. Yeah. So exciting to watch. He is like an offensive, uh, offense-first version of Juan Manuel Marquez. Looks so similar to him mm-hmm. in the ring, the builds. Um, Juan Francisco Estrada is one of these young fighters, man, that is so impressive and every time i see him fight he looks better and better and better and better and the rooster as they call him el gallo juan francisco estrada comes in at number eight what do you think about him oh man i mean like you said he's just a super super dynamic fighter i think we saw in his last fight against uh marquez that was marquez came out tough and you saw estrada just kind of bide his time take it easy, pick his shots, and then later on in the fight just took him out. And that's the sign to me. That's the sign of a just a top-notch, like mentally ready on top of physically ready, has all the physical gifts, and now it's kind of his mind has come together with that. Uh, just the, the prospect of the rematch, Ken, with Chocolatito and him is, man. Yeah, it's something else. Um, I'm, I, dude, I look forward to this. You know, look, he's a unified champion. Um, the undisputed champion is Chocolatito. Their first fight, ultra competitive, super high skill level in yeah. that fight. I think Estrada has gotten better. You're right. The Hernan Marquez fight, that that fight was so exciting. One of the best fights of the year last year. Marquez knew that he had to come out like being shot out of a cannon mm-hmm. if he stood any chance to win that fight whatsoever. Um, and Estrada thwarted an inspirational attack by Marquez to the way he finished that fight in those last couple rounds. Oh, oh it was brutal, man. Yeah, beat down. Absolute beat down. Um, if you, I, I know a lot of our, our, our contemporaries out there and our friends that are, that are watching this episode may not be that familiar with, with Estrada. Uh, go on YouTube and get you a binge couple few hours. Oh, yeah. And binge watch some Juan, Juan Francisco Estrada film. You'll love him. Absolutely. Yeah, love him. yeah. You, you will not come out of there disappointed in what you saw at all. No, no, not at all. Um, coming in at number seven on the list, a fight of the year candidate. Uh, a really, really big year this year as far as, I guess you could say, for, um, for recognition's sake, uh, accomplishing some, some milestones, if you will, and becoming the lineal middleweight champion of the world. Kid Cinnamon Canelo Alvarez comes in at number seven on the list. Yeah, uh, you could. I mean, like we like we said earlier, there's you could have him higher based on based on some things, but I think he's still. We still have to see that. You know, we got some signature performances from him, especially in the Cotto fight. I think was the first fight that he showed that he's a like a a well rounded boxer. Right now, right. We. What we what we need to see from him, from him to skyrocket up this list, which I think he could very well do. Next year, we've released this list this time. He could be 
two or three. Yeah, yeah. Because he could have some huge wins. I, I just think we need to see him. I, I want to see him. If he's going to have that middleweight belt, I don't want to see him fighting at 100. That frustrates the hell out of you. Oh, just, dude, you're a fucking middleweight. <laughs> the, the limit's 160. You want to weigh 155? Go right ahead. But can your opponent please fight in the weight class that he has fought in for his entire career? I'm with you, man. I mean, dude, I, I I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, you can't hold a division hostage. I think the most bizarre thing about about catchweights, especially when they're for championships, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, is that your opponent cannot weigh the limits of that championship that you're fighting for. That right. it, that does not it shouldn't be allowed. Uh, the, look, I could I could get it if it's going to be. Let's just say. Kovalev and Ward met at a catchweight, but no titles were on the line just to see who's the better fighter. Right. That's understandable. Sure. But you can't hold a division hostage, man. You no, can't. No. No. Uh, yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Look, back in the day, man, I mean, look, catchweights have been used throughout time, but there was a time when there were fewer weight classes right. where catchweights were used for exactly what you just said. Yeah. They, the priority was not to crown some some like hybrid division champion, mm-hmm. right? Because then you end up with the, all the weight classes that we have now. Right. But yeah, I mean, you know, guys used to have to make these catchweight fights to do that, to be able to make the big fight. So I, I completely agree with you. If, if for some, like example, if Kovalev were to end up fighting Adonis Stevenson in June, and mm-hmm. let's just say that, that, that Adonis Stevenson won that fight, I still want to see Kovalev Ward, period. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, I, yeah. So then... If they said, well, let's do it at 172 pounds or something like that, you wouldn't hear one complaint. Yeah, because it's not for a belt. No, you wouldn't hear one complaint at all. Um, Yeah, Canelo, man, he he did. He showed more dynamics to his game this year. I think the biggest criticism about Canelo Alvarez is that he does not live up to the stereotype of Mexican style. No, no, he's not just reckless, you know, throwing bombs. He's a boxer puncher, man. Right, and a counter puncher to, Uh, to boot. We've seen him, especially against guys that have an offensive mind themselves, like a guy like Miguel Cotto. He's not going to fight an aggressive style against a guy that is coming at him like that. No. He's going to pick his shots because at the end of the day, you still don't want to get hit. That's the name of the game, right? Huh. Yeah, man. Yeah, just just go ask Arizlandi Lara <laughs> or, or, or Rigondio, man. They'll sit you down and talk to you about it, you know? The name of the game is don't get hit. They'll get and out then of, don't get hit, and then move, and then don't get hit again. They'll they'll break out a a, a a canvas, right? And they'll sit there, and they'll be like, this is the art of boxing. Let me show you as I paint this portrait of defense. Yeah, while they're running around. <laughs> <laughs> they're sprinting around the room. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Yeah, um, yeah look, I agree with you, mate. Look, I heard some comments. I, I uh, listened to another, a different podcast where they're very, these two individuals are very, very, very cynical, very critical of Canelo Alvarez. Yeah. They think that, that, that at 25 years old, that this is it. That's, that's the peak. That's as good as Canelo is ever going to get, that he cannot improve anymore, that he is what he is from this point forward. I couldn't disagree more about Canelo, and I agree with you that he could make his way all the way uh, all the way up into the top 3 on this list mm-hmm. based off of the fact that the growth that we saw from we didn't have to see it in the Kirkland fight because Kirkland I think it was the bread man Stephen Edwards uh, said in his mailbag that 
you know, if the wind blows, Kirkland goes down. <laughs> so he didn't need to fight like that. But right. I think what we saw was immense. The growth was exponential Yeah, from Canelo from his fights prior to the Cotto fight. We saw a different Canelo with a higher ring IQ, with sharper boxing instincts, um, a, a kid that has learned from the elite level of competition that he's been in the ring with. I'm not, like, Canelo's not my favorite fighter. I don't fanboy Canelo. No. I just understand what he is, man. And and what he is is he is a star, right? He's 25. He's 25. He is strong as an ox. And for a Mexican fighter, especially a Mexican superstar fighter, his style is so unique, man. It's it's really his own style. And I, and I give him more respect for having... His own style. Yeah. He's not a Floyd Mayweather-style counterpuncher. He is still very offensive-minded, throws extremely fluid and smooth combinations. He's one of the best combination punchers in boxing, mm-hmm. and he is still a very powerful puncher, man. Yeah, like you said, we've seen the the vast improvement over the last... If you look back at the Mayweather fight, which is two years ago, the improvement from from then to now is ridiculous. And just the improvement in the last year that we saw, I'm not going to sit here and think that, well, I guess he's peaked. He's not going to get any better. No, That's he's 25 silly. years old. Silly. He he is going to be getting better for the next three, four years. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it is. Uh, this is not the peak of Canelo Alvarez's no, career. No, no. It's, it's, it, it most certainly is not. Um, so there you go. Uh, Canelo. Saul Alvarez comes in at number seven on the pound for palace. Number six, just talked about him in the uh, lead into this show. Um, we'll take on Hank Lundy in February. Terrence Bud Crawford comes in at number six on this list. And, you know, Canelo has the resume over Crawford, but man, Terrence Crawford, my boy has some dog in him. And, his overall bag of tricks is really something special. He he just makes it look so smooth, so effortless. He's got power. He breaks his opponents down, man. He's just a he just messes with them. He does. He he kind of does. He's he's in there playing around with them, and then he goes, "All right, I beat I beat him up enough. Let me just finish this. What, what are we in eight? Yeah, I'll finish it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> his contemporaries of this level of athleticism and this level of um, you know, his skill level, his contemporaries, when they get up on a guy and they're just toying around with them, they'll just start running laps around the ring right? and trying to play keep away, trying to put their hand on their head. Terrence Crawford, when he's done messing with you, then he goes and kicks your ass. Yeah. And that's the difference. Uh, Terrence Crawford has a – one thing I really admire about this kid is he has this, like – I don't know, man. He has this mentality where – he really wants to, I don't know, man. He really wants to just make you understand that you are not on the same level as this guy. Mm-hmm. His reaction to, to any kind of uh, adversary, adversary, <laughs> adversity, your adversary, his adversary, his <laughs> opponent, um, is, uh, you know, is that he digs deep. He, when he gets hit, he fires back yeah. in, in this just like, what? You, you just hit me? 
I love it, man. Yeah, I just he, love his entire demeanor in the ring. Yeah, I, I don't think there's – I mean, just look back at that Dierry Jean fight where Jean was kind of running his mouth a little bit before the fight, yeah. and he, he finishes him off, and then right when he gets the mic – Did you get enough? Did you, did you get what you was asking for, boy? <laughs> oh, man, yeah, Bud Crawford, man. Um, the only thing that hinges with this guy, man, he has the potential to go all the way to the top of this list. Well, he, he could be fighting Manny Pacquiao later this year, and he wins that fight, boy. I just wish they would have made that for the April Pacquiao fight, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? I really do. It's uh, you know, Pacquiao is who he is. Yeah. You know, at least Pacquiao's not fighting Birdo, right? I ain't going to hate on Pacquiao, man. No. Nah. <laughs> no, so Terrence Crawford comes in at number six. Terrence Bud Crawford, one of the overall best uh, skill sets in the sport. Um, powerful, quick, uh, sharp boxing IQ, pedigree, uh, highly intelligent, has the demeanor, uh, the wherewithal. Fights. Both ways, yep. orthodox, southpaw, switches back and forth at will whenever he wants. Dynamic is, yeah. is a great word yeah. to describe Terrence Crawford. Um, coming in at number five on the list, um, I don't know how much longer he's going to be on this list. We'll just have to wait and see. And uh, April 9th will definitely tell mm-hmm. um, a big story. Personally, I don't think that he has regressed at all. I think the injury was true against Floyd Mayweather. Um, I haven't seen any physical erosion. The only erosion I've seen in his game is that maybe he just doesn't want it as bad as he used to. Yeah. Um, I think his his priorities in life have changed, which has mentally kind of withdrawn him, uh, you know, from from his ability, you know, to be the sort of dynamic, explosive fighter that he was. But I don't think that his skills or his athleticism has diminished. Coming in at number five, the Pac-Man, Manny Pacquiao. Yeah, I mean, look, as long as he's fighting, and I understand he lost his last fight to Floyd Mayweather, but as long as he keeps fighting and keeps winning, you can't take him off this list, man. The guy is the most exciting fighter of the last 15 years. Yeah. I mean, his his resume, his his ring IQ is everything. I, all that speaks for itself. I mean, the guy is just look, Sands Mayweather. Who that's fine. I, everybody's going to say Mayweather's the best of this generation. I don't, I don't care. The most exciting fighter of of this past generation was Manny Pacquiao. Oh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it at all, man. Um, yeah, and you know what? I'm going to have to see him get get beat in a way which makes it look like okay, wow, he's really he's he, he's now starting to regress. Right. He has not been in that fight yet. No, no. Mayweather did his typical that's not a beating, that's a loss. <laughs> right. And let's be honest. I mean, through, you know, 6 7 rounds in that fight, it's pretty close. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It is. So, um yeah, Manny Pacquiao, a lot we'll know a lot more about his position on this list mm-hmm. um after April 9th. Right. Yeah, he could be. He could move up, or he could be gone. Yeah, yeah. I don't really think there's. We don't. Well, everybody knows Pac-Man, and I don't think we need to go into too much depth no. about him. Um, coming in at number four on this list, and this will start a little bit of a run of Eastern European fighters who have now seemingly taken over the sport. Yeah. Um, coming in at number four, they call him high tech. He may be the most skilled fighter on the planet right now. Um, he may technically be the best boxer on the planet today, as things stand today. Limited in his professional record, took one of his contemporaries, a top top four ranked fighter who many believe to be one of the most athletic, possibly the fastest hands in the entire sport of boxing mm-hmm. in Gary Russell Jr. and literally took him to school. Um, coming in at number four on the list, the best featherweight on the planet, in my opinion, Vince, 
and that is the one they call high tech, Vasily Lomachenko. Yeah, you you said it, man. I mean, this guy, his his level, his skill level is so ridiculous. It's so for for a kid that's only had six. What is it? Six pro fights now? Seven? Yeah. Either way, I mean, he he comes in and just looks like he's been been a professional fighter for a decade, and he's been beating everybody. He makes shit look so easy, Ken. Yeah. I mean, do we need to see him against some some better competition possibly than the Romulo Koasichas of the world? Yeah. But, look, when he gets those guys in the ring, he does what he's supposed to do, and he just does it in such a just a pure boxing textbook. Like, if you were going to draw up, if you wanted to say, look, this is what boxing is to somebody who's never seen it, this, is, this would be the guy you want to put in front of him. You go, yeah. holy shit. Yeah. What is he even doing? Yeah, uh, yeah it is. It, it it is. It's remarkable, man. I mean, there's only one guy on this on this list that I think is even in the same category um, as far as as far as pure boxing skills are concerned. Uh, I mean, Lomachenko's level is 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 up to every every bit of hype that comes along with mm-hmm. it. Um, the way he maneuvers around the target, his accuracy, he really is a thinking man in 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 the ring you know and people always want that mental masturbation of a fight who would win Lomachenko or Rigondeaux and you know to be honest with you and there's even been some guys some guys that I I really high hold in regard as far as boxing analysts are are concerned that make kind of an unfounded and an unwarranted comparison outside of the gold medals that they've won in the Olympics and their amateur accolades I don't there's really nothing you can compare between Vasily Lomachenko and Rigondeaux. Rigondeaux is defense first. You saw it. He threw 70 punches in his last fight or landed 70 punches right. in, in, in his last fight. Vasily Lomachenko is an offense first fighter. Yeah. He, he's not a he's not a stalk you and beat you to a pulp. Gennady Golovkin, you know, I'm going to hunt you and kill you kind of fighter. Vasily Lomachenko comes at you, and he is relentless. Yeah, he's just tactically just destroys you i mean slowly breaks you down and finishes you off which we said it before he's the type of fighter that does that is a seriously talented fighter in my opinion they don't go out to just get him out of there yeah no he's he's going in there to work on his craft and then when he's done working on his craft he'll take care of the opponent that's in the ring yeah yeah, and you know, and honestly, man, in a fight between Lomachenko and Rigo, I don't think it's even humanly possible for Rigo to throw enough punches to win that fight. He would have to knock Lomachenko out. Yeah, that it, I think that that's the only way he could beat him. Yeah, because he doesn't throw enough punches. Exactly. Lomachenko would bring the offense to him all night long, and his all hand, night long. His hands are definitely quick enough to touch Rigo too. He's not gonna oh. be. He's not gonna be whiffing. No. No, dude, Lomachenko's a super athlete, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, mean, he, I mean, you could tell, dude, if he was bigger and played a different sport his entire life, he, he, I, I could just imagine if Lomachenko was, you know, six foot tall and grew up playing basketball instead that he would be an awesome point guard. Yeah, yeah, you're probably exactly right. Um, so there you have it. High-tech Vasily Lomachenko coming in at number four. All right, number three on this list. I, and I, I honestly feel like you can take the next two fighters and – you could just change them every day between right. between two and three. And a lot of people have this guy who comes in at number three. They A lot of people have him as their number one fighter Yeah, on their pound for pound list. But our number three fighter on the pound for pound countdown here on the Boxing Rant 
uh, YouTube channel, is Triple G Gennady Golovkin. He just continues to grind, man. Just continues to absolutely destroy whoever they put in front of him in the ring. And he's just, you feel bad for him because you know nobody wants to fight him. Yeah. Nobody wants to fight this man. So he has to listen to the, the criticism of, uh, you know, who's he fought? Who's he beat? It's like, come on, man. It's quite obvious that nobody wants a part of this guy. He's a friggin' monster. Yeah, but Vince, that would be, to know that, you would have to know more than one thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of people that make their argument off of one thing. They don't, they're too lazy to go and try to figure out two things they know about somebody. Right. So they'll just say, oh, let me take this one thing, because if that is your criticism of Golovkin, that, if that's all you got, then he's doing something right. Oh, exactly. <laughs> it's such a tired, tired argument when people try to make that, man. It really is, man. I mean, combination of boxing IQ, um, style. Um, honestly, man, I think he's probably, if he's not 1A, he's 1B or 1C as the most exciting fighter on the planet. Yeah. Um, he is pure excitement. He is a hunter. He is a stalker. He comes and gets it. He goes out. He brings his lunchbox and he he will take anything that you have. He'll take your clothes, take your wallet, he'll take your watch. He, he might even take your girl. Um, so you, you got to lock everything before you get in the ring with this guy. <laughs> but my suggestion would be in an era where fighters are so ultra sensitive to public opinion, where you know they just they can't handle anybody saying anything, uh, evaluating. Or, you know, if it's an evaluation or uh, analysis or or a critique. God forbid that you do any of that. Yeah. Right? Um, but I would say this is that I would I would challenge, I would put anybody's manhood the test that is ranked in the top 10 of the 160-pound division or anybody that uh, talk is cheap. There's a lot, of, a lot of talking out there, but why don't you guys get in the ring with this guy and, and, and take his belts from him? I mean, you want to be the best or are we in the era of, like you said, Billy Joe Saunders would rather say, um, I'm not ready yet. I, I'm still I'm still a work in progress. Even, yeah. even though, you know, when we're not talking about Gennady Golovkin, I'll just tell everybody that I'm, I'm a world champion. Wouldn't that be a reason to strip somebody when they say that a champion that's refusing to fight somebody? I mean. So, sounds like a reason to me. <laughs> I mean, you never hear. The only time I've ever heard. Danny Jacobs mentioned Gennady Golovkin was when he was asked during the lead up to the Quillen uh, Jacobs fight um, if he would ever fight Golovkin. And his response to, to it was not, yeah, I'd fight him, right? No. It was, yeah, only if we could do a joint pay-per-view between Showtime and HBO and, you know, I got paid $10 million for it. <laughs> Remember Canelo's response, or not Canelo, Cotto. Maybe. Yeah, well, I'm a, Ken, Canelo's a junior middleweight. I'm talking about middleweights. No, I'm, I'm saying Cotto when they asked him. Yeah, that. no, I know what you're saying, but I'm, but I'm talking about is, is middleweights. Yeah. Is 160-pounder. Danny Jacobs is a 160-pounder who claims to be a champion, right? I don't hear him talking. He wants no part of Gennady Golovkin. No. Because if he did, he wouldn't throw out such a gigantic wall. Such a gigantic barrier, right? An insurmountable thing that is impossible. First off, you're not getting ten million dollars to fight anybody ever, ever nope. in your career. Nope. You'll be lucky to make ten million dollars in your career. Yeah. Um, and 
you are not going to be on a pay-per-view ever in your life um, unless you fight somebody that is a pay-per-view fighter, unless you fight Canelo. Right. <laughs> or you're on the undercard of somebody else's pay-per-view. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, to throw something out there like that, it's like, hey, let me, throw, let me put my shield up. Let me, def- <laughs> let me deflect any possibility of ever having to fight this guy. I, you know what? Look, people just need to get in the ring. Stop making excuses about wanting to fight him. Stop coming up with Stop shitting on his resume. Right. Get in the ring and fight Gennady Golovkin because until you do, we're just going to keep sitting here and saying he's the best middleweight on the planet. Yeah. I mean, how could you not? Yeah. He just destroyed David Lemieux and showed us a different level to his game in that fight. Uh, yeah. And you know, it's, it's disappointing when you hear people thinking, ah, yeah, well, Lemieux is just a fraud. Oh, okay, so it doesn't matter what, you know, Golovkin could beat King Kong in a fight, and they'll, and they'll be like, oh, well, King Kong's 100 years old. He's, he's an old man now. We'll see, we'll see how quickly Lemieux works his way back up to possibly getting another shot at Golovkin. Yeah, that, dude, I tell you what, if, he was able to, if he's able to pull that off, man, that would be pretty remarkable. Because honestly, man, I think, I think Lemieux's still a player. I, I just think Golovkin showed us how, how good he is. Oh, yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah. So Gennady Golovkin is ranked number three on our pound for pound list. Coming in at number two on the boxing rant pound for pound countdown is the crusher, Sergey Kovalev. The scariest man in boxing. <laughs> is there a more sinister dude in the ring, man? I mean, he, he's got bad intentions. He, he does not like you. He wants to physically do harm to you. Yeah, he, he, he wants to crush you, you know? <laughs> What is it that stands out to you about Kovalev the most? Like, what? Why, in your mind, is he a top two or three fighter in the world? To me, he has this uh, sneaky athleticism, sneaky movement, man. Uh, just a a different level of boxer where he can, man. He sets up his shots really, really well. And, and you, you know, you hear Kovalev and you hear the knockouts, and he's a power puncher. Yes, he is all of that. But on top of that, the dude is, as far as distance control and, and footwork, there's, there's not too many guys in boxing better than him right now. There just isn't. There may not be anybody better than him right now. I think he's vastly over, uh, I mean, vastly underrated as a pure boxer. Yeah. I you mean, that, dude, the, he fights Andre Ward later on in the year. That will be the ultimate test. And, Ah, man, that that fight right there is just as long as Ward keeps his shit together and actually gets in the ring. Yeah, you're talking about two highly highly. I might that might be the most high skilled fight in five years. Yeah, yeah, especially at the at the in you know in the heavier weight classes. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, that's the fight. You know, people talk about yeah the you know the biggest fight in boxing to make is 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 Triple G versus Canelo, and you know maybe from a box office standpoint that's probably a true statement. Yeah. Um, but the fight that I want to see more than any fight in boxing in 2016, well, you'll just have to tune in for the 2016 preview show. <laughs> so Sergey Kovalev, <laughs> that's kind of messed up. Um, Sergey Kovalev is, is, is truly, truly a master boxer, man. I think people sleep on that. I think, uh, you know, I think he is the difference between him and Adonis Stevenson. Is, you know, when people make that discussion about who's better, who would win that, hypothetical matchup if those two are ever able to get in and unify 175 pounds the difference is is that Sergey Kovalev is one of the best pure boxers on the planet and that coupled with his footwork mm-hmm. like you said and he fights on his toes yeah he, he bounces back and forth 
forward. He punches he punches right down Main Street. He's the best straight puncher in boxing. Yeah, and and they're not they're short straight punches. They're not loaded, you know, lunging long. No, he no, he shoots him right from his ear. Yeah, uh, look, if he gets Stevenson in the ring, if he beats Stevenson and beats Ward later on in the year, and obviously, he's, I mean, I think everybody, in, barring some like freak punch that lands with Pascal in his next fight, he's obviously going to win in that win that fight. <clears throat> if he wins all three of those, yeah, he's Fighter of the Year. Well, there's easily. Not, there's not even a countdown for Fighter of the Year. Yeah, there's not even candidates. No, that is 100. percent Yeah, that might be the Fighter of the Decade. If yeah, he, if he, it, you know, if he does that, that would be unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, yeah, the Crusher Sergey Kovalev. I think that if when you're splitting hairs to say, okay, between him and Golovkin, you know, you can really kind of toss him in the air and put one or the other in that number two hole. I think really the difference for me. Is is that Kovalev is a little bit more athletic and a little bit more explosive? Um, I fall right in line with you. That's exactly why he's a notch above. Um, there you have it, the Crusher Sergey Kovalev coming in at number two and the number one ranked pound for pound fighter in the world, the pound for pound king, Floyd Mayweather Jr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never again. Even if he comes out of retirement, he will not qualify for this list. <laughs> Uh, he is done. He's done, son. Um, the pretty much undeniable, undisputed. I, I, I don't think I've heard anybody else from any other the major boxing uh, uh, platforms or outlets in the world um, that have anybody else ranked in the number one spot. I think it's pretty clear. The best all-around fighter. He is offensive. He is defensive. He is quick. He has every punch in the book. His ring IQ is arguably uh, the best in the game. I mean, he, he really does every aspect of the game. He uses, some would say the defensive fighter has to run and avoid. Mm-hmm. There's no better defensive fighter who is offensive-minded in boxing. Yeah, The way he uses his shoulders, the way he uses his feet, Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez is the pound-for-pound king. Yeah, he he puts his opponents where he wants them in the ring. He just kind of just, here you go, come here, come this way. Mm-hmm. All right, come back this way. Mm-hmm. And that that entire time he's just landing pinpoint accurate shots, and you have an, an opponent by normally by about halfway through the fight that's going, um, I, I don't even know what's going on out there. <laughs> you know what's got to be frustrating for his opponents too is the fact that he's kind of right there. Yeah. You know what I mean? But he's like. Yeah, it's not quick, like animated movements. It's just little, just one little half step here, one little slip there. <laughs> <laughs> you like those moves that I look like? Oh, man. Chocolatito. You were shucking and jabbing. Oh, that was my Chocolatito impression. <laughs> no, but seriously, no, he's right there, man. I mean, the way, like, he will, he'll come in, he'll launch his offense and use his forward momentum to kind of lean forward and he'll put his shoulder on, on his opponent, mm-hmm. right? But he's still sideways. He's perpendicular to to, to his opponent. So his opponent's throwing at a target that's only this wide because he's turned sideways. Then th- they'll throw. He'll let those punches roll off of him. He'll square back up, yeah. l- launch his offense, then lean in, kind of duck down, and he's, he's back at his side again. I mean, he utilizes his body and his positioning in range, in the pocket. Yeah. In the pocket, he's able to spin his opponent and walk them into a punch. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really remarkable. Uh, let's be honest, man. Look. Gennady Golovkin is powerful with the hooks. He's powerful down the middle. Um, he's got a decent uppercut, too, to go with it, right? He, 
all those punches are more devastating and technically sound than they are, I would say, like, flashy and explosive, right? Yep. Kovalev isn't a notorious hooker. It's not his strong suit in his game. He punches. He's almost ambidextrous with both hands as he comes right down the middle. Yep. He, he knocks people out with jab body punches. Yeah, he does. Right? Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez, I think, literally has every single punch equally powerful with both hands, um, uppercuts, hooks, straights, crosses, every punch with both hands. Yeah, and, and he constantly mixes in all of them in, com- in combinations. He doesn't get, you know, stuck throwing you know, one three-punch combo. It's constantly, it's jab, hook, uppercut, it's uppercut, uppercut, hook. It's He's he's all over the map with, with his punch combinations. He's, there's nobody on, he's like, he's got a little piece of everybody on the list. Yeah. He's got a, he's the best of the best, man. Yeah, I mean, look, Chocolatito is probably, if you took, if you took Vasily Lomachenko and Gennady Golovkin and they had a kid, and the kid, um, you know, had like a little bit of a, you know, recessive height gene. <laughs> right. And, you know, and came out like if these these two Eastern European white guys popped out this little brown baby <laughs> that only grew up to be five foot three, it would be Chocolatito. <laughs> there was so much wrong with that right there. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, man, anything's possible. You can be whatever you want to be in this world. Oh, man, apparently men can be impregnated. <laughs> hey, hey, stop. Hey, that's a microaggression. <laughs> yeah. I need to go to my safety room now. Go blow some bubbles and, and pet some puppies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, where were we? Roman Gonzalez, number one. Yeah, number one pound-for-pound <laughs> fighter in the world. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, man. I mean, uh, the the fight's on the horizon. It's the Estrada fight. Um, there's a couple other fights. I mean, people are kind of frothing at the mouth that he might eventually move up to get the Inouye fight. But the thing is, is that Inouye's so young. I mean, is Inouye going to stay at that weight class? You got to imagine he's going to end up moving yeah. up. So I don't even know how possible that fight would be down the road. The crazy thing about Chocolatito, though, is is, is really, you know, take all of his, uh, you know, his measurables and put them aside. Just how young he is. You know, is he 28 years old? Yep. You know, he's got 40. What is he? He's 44-0 with, with 38 knockouts. I mean, dude, he's five fights away from tying Floyd Mayweather's 49-0. and And he's got, what, a dozen more knockouts than Floyd does in his career. He's yeah. probably going to get a dozen more. Yep. I mean, we're realistically looking at now the level of competition and the, and the level of challenge that Chocolatito puts him through will definitely determine this. We're looking at a guy that could potentially go 60-0. Yeah, I don't, think, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. I mean... Like you, like you just mentioned, there's one man that I feel both me and you think is the one fighter that could test him right now, and that's the guy at, at number nine on this list in, in uh, Juan Francisco Estrada, which that fight, man, it just has to be made. It absolutely has to. Yeah, their first, their first fight was, um, was ultra-competitive, highly skilled. Um, Estrada just could not solve, um, solve the puzzle. Plus, he came down in weight. It was only a few pounds. He, he was young. Yeah, and, 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 exactly. Well, they were both young. Yeah. You know? So look, you got to look at it too. Yeah, that's one thing that people like sleep on with Estrada. You know, he's thirty three and two, but he's only twenty five years old. Yeah, what was he twenty four, twenty three when he fought Chocolate? He was twenty three when he fought Chocolate. Yeah, I mean that was almost three years ago now. Yeah. I think that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man. I mean, look, that fight Estrada's only better. Gonzalez is only better. 
Chocolatito beat him clearly in their first fight, even though it was it was competitive. Um, yeah, I just hope he keeps testing us. I want to see more of him in the United States. No guarantee he's going to be with Golovkin on April 23rd. Hey, you give him the right opponent. You get, give him uh, Estrada. I think that stands on its, on its own as an HBO oh, card. Oh, hell anyways. yeah, it does. So, um, yeah, there you have it, man. Uh, Chocolatito. Roman Gonzalez comes in at number one on the list. The countdown of the top 10 pound-for-pound fighters in the world. Number 10, Kel Brook. Number 9, Timothy Bradley. Number 8, Juan Francisco Estrada. Number 7, Canelo Alvarez. Number 6, Terrence Crawford. Number 5, the Pac-Man Manny Pacquiao. Number 4, Vasily Lomachenko. Number 3, Triple G, Gennady Golovkin. Number 2, the crusher, Sergey Kovalev. And number one, pound for pound king in all the land, um, Chocolatito, Roman Gonzalez. So you happy with the countdown? Yeah, man. I love these. Love the pound for pound. Love the, love the prospects. These are my favorite shows of the year, man. Yeah, no doubt about it. So we appreciate all you taking your time to tune into the pound for pound countdown. Um, if you haven't, our last episode that we did, episode 97, was our prospects countdown. Uh, check that out. The top 10 list, the top best prospects in all the land and our prospect of the year was announced. We also have episodes 96 and episodes 95, the 2015 year in review and the 2015 boxing awards where we hand out fighter of the year, fight of the year, knockout of the year. So there's a bunch of episodes recently. Just run them on loop, sit down and get you a boxing rant binge. Um, and get it done. But we will be back here in just a few days for Mm -hmm. the 2016 preview show. You looking forward to that one? Yes, sir. All right, folks. Well, that will do it. We will leave you on that note with episode 98, the Pound for Pound Countdown. Be sure to stop by theboxingrant.com as it has been updated in full effect. Come and rant with us. Drop us a writing sample. Um, Join our team. New boxing schedule is updated there, and all the links to find the show of your favorite podcast, the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on theboxingrant.com. For my co-host, Vince Cummings, who you can follow on Twitter, at VinceCummings81. I'm your host, Kenny Keith, and you can follow me on Twitter, at Kenny Keith Jr. Be sure to subscribe to The Boxing Rant on YouTube today. Subscribe to the Boxing Rant YouTube channel for the latest videos. Get the audio version of the podcast on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher. We're all over the place. But we will see you in just a few days with our preview of the 2016 boxing season. And then it's episode 100. But we thank all of you for tuning in to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on theboxingrant.com. Muchas gracias, everybody.